dealing with frustrated and even furious clients seems like it's just part of agency life that we have to put up with. But it doesn't have to be that way. Today's guest, Jackie Hermes, founder and CEO of Excelity, a marketing agency based in the Midwest focused on serving high-growth B2B SaaS companies, has definitely seen her fair share of upset clients in her years running her agency, just like I'm sure you have. But when I asked her to be a guest on Agency Life to talk about what to do when those situations come up, or you're even faced with quote unquote firing a bad fit client, she shared three specific steps that have helped her team at Excelity. Number one, better expectation setting up front. Number two, leaning into transparency, especially when goals aren't being met. And number three, forming friendships with clients by making connections outside of doing the work and your regular QBRs. What I found really interesting about this conversation was that Jackie also shared some very practical ways you can actually avoid bringing in bad fit clients that are more likely to get frustrated with you before they ever sign up with your agency. You're going to love some of the tactical tips she shared in that part of this conversation. And I think you'll likely want to implement some of those into your own agency's sales process. As always, we open with a story here on Agency Life. So let's hear not one, but two instances that came to mind for Jackie when I asked her about dealing with furious clients. The engagement was not going well anyway. They not respect our team. They weren't really treating us very well. And they had one member of their C-suite that was just very like straightforward and yelly, which I don't like. Like we don't yell on my team at all. We're not doing that. We had to move an account manager off of the account because she was so unhappy working with him. And I didn't want to lose her. One of our leadership team members took over and then she didn't know what to do. I remember I was in Mexico with my family and she called me and she was like, I need you to get on this call. And I'm like sitting on the deck and I'm like, hey, hey, you know, like, let's calm down. Let's reconvene when we're calm. It was a bad situation altogether. And then come to find out that they were actually a sales services company and they were launching a marketing services arm of their business and becoming a HubSpot partner and doing a lot of the stuff that we do. And I was like, oh, this doesn't. And I found out from one of our clients. I was going to say they probably didn't mention it to you, right? Oh, they sure didn't. And the fact that one of our clients knew and we didn't is bad news. And actually, we're still with this client today. So I am thankful to them for telling us. We were doing an eight-hour on-site and he told me in the first hour and the whole time I was like, pay attention, pay attention, focus, Jackie, because right now <laughs> I am not happy. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can imagine as you know, an agency owner, dealing with a frustrating client is one thing. Realizing, I mean, kudos to you for putting one of your leadership team members on the account. I think for any account manager or project manager or frontline employee with an agency who's dealing with a difficult client, it can mean a lot to them to say, look, I'll hop on this call or we'll reassign this account, right? And I think the communication about how you make that transition can mean a lot for potentially saving a client relationship. But if it's a client relationship that isn't actually going to be saved, you make a great point. What is the collateral damage with our employee and how do we mitigate that? I imagine it meant a lot to them for you to step in and for you to reassign that account, not in a way of, ah, you can't handle this. So I guess we'll step in. What did that look like? And especially, you know, your employees response. This was probably four or five years ago. Prior to that, we had a nightmare client that 
they did cause uh, an account manager to leave because they were apparently very rude to the account manager. But then anytime I got on the phone, they were always really nice. And I was like, hmm, mm. cool, this seems like a great client. Well, I didn't really know what was happening in the background. So I learned that lesson early. That was probably in the first couple of years. And it was one of my first hires of running the agency. So it was painful at the time, but I'm glad I learned it early so that I knew what the damage could be internally because we spend how much time, money, energy, hiring the right people, training them, working to retain them. And oftentimes they hold those client relationships, right? So we don't want our account team to be unhappy because they have to deal with a client that's not treating them appropriately. So in this case, gosh, I don't remember exactly how the transition went, but I do know that the account manager was extremely thankful to be taken off of the account and she really appreciated it. And still to this day, I mean, we had a client even yesterday that kind of freaked out at a team member. We had a leadership team member on the call standing up for them. And it's like, we don't just sit and take it. We say things like, I don't appreciate being spoken to that way. Or how about we reconvene this call when everyone is calm? It's just not appropriate. And it sets the wrong example for the rest of the team. Because once you start letting clients yell at or treat team members in a certain way, then it's kind of what they come to expect. And that's not what we want for our teams. And you make a good point there in what you said that in at least one of those two scenarios, you were able to retain that employee and stepping in and not making them just sit there and take it, as you said, probably played a significant role in that. And you were also able to retain probably a higher portion of their book of business within the agency, the client that tipped you off to this client who was not only being rude, but being a little bit potentially deceptive and manipulative with where they were going, shaking. is a great word for it. And so I think one of the things is we zoom in on there's an upset client. We got to fix the problem. And oftentimes it's a little bit too of a myopic view. We don't zoom out and look at what are all the ramifications of how we handle this situation. What would you say are maybe some of your other biggest learnings from those situations or maybe something that you go back and look, hey, maybe we would have done this differently based on having gone through these stories, as you mentioned, multiple of them at this point and the age of your agency? I think there is a lot to be learned from these situations. And I don't say all of this to say anytime there's a tough client, we're like, see ya. That's not how yeah, it goes. There's a danger on the other side to swing too right, far, right? Right. And, and you know what? Like we're about to have our 10 year anniversary party at the house of one of our first clients ever for the agency, which is such a cool full circle thing. And this client was a little tough at the beginning. And now he's a personal friend of mine because I I was able to win him over. So it's not a, you don't give up right away, but I think there is a line between being unhappy with work or output or results or whatever it may be and, and voicing that. And sometimes you even voice it. I think people voice their anger or based on what's going on in their lives, right? So if someone's really stressed or they have, it's not always about you, how it comes out at you. And I think sometimes there is some mending to do, but sometimes people just are the way that they are. We do things now like checking Glassdoor reviews of clients before we bring them on, which we didn't do until recently. We had a couple clients that we were like, geez, you know, they just are not super nice people. And we are very Midwestern, right? And we all like we... How does that come across being very Midwestern in your agency? 
Yeah. I mean, we are very kind to each other. We don't mm-hmm. yell at each other. We collaborate. We really think through how we give feedback to each other. I think Midwestern can also be a little like passive too. And that's something that we're working to overcome. But when we work with companies that are more straightforward, it's something to get used to. And then when there's yelling or whatever involved, that's something to evaluate whether you want to put yourself in that situation. And now I get involved in every sale to make sure that the client is someone that we really want to work with. So not only are we looking like in our ideal client profile, we have information about who we work with, the industries, the size, how much money they've raised, the size of their marketing team, their tech stack, all of that. And then we have information about their psychographics, their mindset. How do they like, do they have an abundance mindset? Do they trust vendors? Are they going through the sales process proud that they've fired five agencies before? Like that's a red flag to me. (laughs) Yes. Anytime you hear we've been through five agencies and none of them worked, you shouldn't be, oh, we've got a great opportunity to step in and be the hero. Your question should be, why were none of them the hero, right? And we've overcome those situations sometimes in the past. And on the flip side, we've gotten ourselves into some not great situations where it's impossible to make someone happy when they don't have appropriate expectations. And so looking at things like how they speak to you, how they treat power versus how they treat other members of the team. That's something that I've learned to look at. We actually were in contract negotiations with a client maybe like 18 months ago. And this guy was really nice to me. And then when our head of sales was on the phone, really not nice. And he even told me like, I don't mm-hmm. like that guy. And I was like, what? what? What do you mean? You haven't even barely talked to him. And he was one of the most likable people on the planet. Like he's, he left the agency to start his own business. We're still friends. He's very, very likable. So in that case, it's like, mm, do we want a contract? Yes. Is it worth it on the other end? No, it never is. No matter how much money it is, it, I always, in every situation that I've been iffy on bringing on a client, we always get a few months into the contract and I'm like, man, that was not worth it. So I think in the sales process, you can find a lot of this. And even I post content about it on LinkedIn now, and I have blogs about how we vet clients and I can point people to that. And if they're like, cool, yeah, that's how we're vetting vendors too great. We're of the same mindset. But if they're offended by it, probably not a good sign. (laughs) Yes. I love that already in this conversation, you're planting some flags of like, hey, if you pass this, don't just blaze past it. I think one of your pieces of advice there, especially as the owner, someone in leadership who really understands the business, your team has been through a lot of these conversations. Most agency owners are doing the sales themselves in the early days. So you know what that is like trust your gut. That is incredibly important because like you said, every time you've had that kind of danger, Will Robinson, that iffy feeling, then it hasn't turned out well. I love some of the tactical things you said there too, Jackie. Check Glassdoor reviews, share some of the content around what is a good fit client and how you work with clients and take your ICP information beyond headcount, revenue and industry and look at some of those psychographic pieces How do you then train your team to look for those, to qualify based on those? And can you speak to your involvement as the owner in the sales process? Because a lot of owners are trying to remove themselves here. It sounds like you're not still handling that all. Talk to me a little bit more about the sales process in 
kind of sussing out some of those psychographic pieces and where that falls to your team versus you as the owner? I am more involved now in the sales process than I was probably a year ago. Like I said, we had our head of sales leave to start a company. He started a fantasy football company, which is like freaking awesome. I'm really, really excited for him. Like he's rocking it. But I was thinking about rehiring for that. And I decided to run more of the process myself. So I can kind of speak Mm -hmm. from someone who had the full team. And now we do have a BDR who is trained on vetting people. And then I'm running much of the process, but it's more of a team effort now. So it's me, it's my head of strategy and client services. It's one of our director of strategy internally. It's our account coordinator who's helping with like note taking and organizing and making sure that we're hitting all the points and stuff like that. So it's interesting. I know, did you have Bob Ruffalo on your podcast? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, a few episodes back. So he actually is the one that told me like, he didn't have a traditional, you know, like head of sales, account executives, BDRs that his team was responsible for selling. And he told me that a couple of years ago and I was like, hmm, that is so interesting. So we kind of incorporated more of the selling into the business Mm-hmm. versus having that sales team. But as short aside, the question was... Great context. Yeah. Though. Absolutely. <laughs> How to train people to look for this stuff. So we have scripts, which it's not like a, here's everything to say, but it's like, okay, if you're doing a discovery, here are the things that we want to know. At the end of every discovery meeting doc, there is a section that's extra notes, mindset, red flags. And the note in there is write down at least one red flag. So you have have to come up with something that did they say something that made you go, hmm, you have to write it down because it's something to dig more into as we go through the process. And often it's it's not even often related to like attitude or being rude or whatever, but often related to expectation setting. And when we see expectations that are just completely off the rails, now we know to be like, because mm, that just sets you up for failure and it sets them up for being mad at you and not having a good relationship. (laughs) I think that is so true, you know, in relationships, in life in general, unmet expectations or misaligned expectations are usually at the root of most interpersonal conflict. And when we're talking about a service-based business, like an agency like yours, and everyone listening to this, that's where things fall apart. It's in the nuance. It's in the misalignment of expectations. So I love that we started talking about handling and actually parting ways with a a tough client, but we've actually spent the last 10 minutes or so talking about how do you avoid getting to that point? And a lot of it is before they actually sign on the dotted line. Tell me a little bit about post-sale. What are some of the things that you train your team on after you have a client, you've gone through this process, it's a little bit more rigorous. And so you're hopefully avoiding more of these situations than you did before, but training them on that balance of every time a customer is upset, we don't just say, see ya, as you said before, because you can go too far there and you can have a team that ultimately feels a little bit maybe entitled or dismissive of customers. And that's not the tone that you want to have. But on the other end, you can let people walk all over you. So for your account managers, those folks, Jackie, how do you train them to be aware of the extremes on both sides and kind of walk that middle ground? 
Yeah. I think that there is, there's kind of a line that we don't want crossed by our clients. And that is like chewing people out on the phone, yelling at them. That's really the line. And when we cross that line, that's where I get involved or another leadership team member gets involved and hops on the call or will, you know, have a discussion with them afterward. Okay. What do we want to do about this? And also saying thank you for handling that. I'm sorry that happened to you. This is not the standard that we want to set in the company. Now, what what would you ideally like to happen? I think everything else in the middle there is middle ground. And there's a lot of situations where we set goals for a campaign and we hit some of them and we miss some of them. That's marketing. Like that's that's how it goes. Whenever we do QBRs and we've hit all of the quarterly goals, we're like, oh my. God, good job. You know, because it's rare to hit every single yeah. goal, especially if you're setting multiple goals and they're aggressive enough. I think that sometimes clients can see goals as we want to hit every single one, especially those that aren't in marketing don't fully understand the the testing nature of it. And it's something that you have to educate and re-educate on. So I think in those situations, our account team is on calls, hearing them out and saying things like, I totally get it. We're frustrated in this situation too. We really want to hit these goals. We're really invested in your business. We've been working our butts off trying to make sure that we hit this goal. And I'm frustrated too. We're going to come back to you with our plan of what it's going to look like next quarter so that we are reaching this goal. And then usually we're getting the account team together, the delivery team, so creative. And I'm usually involved in those conversations too, where we're like, cool, we fell short of this goal. What do we want to do next quarter? And usually when you acknowledge the client and tell them, I get it and tell them we're unhappy too. You know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to always be, oh, well, we did our best and we'll try harder next quarter. I love the candor and transparency in that. Yeah. And that's how you become friends with your clients. That's how you get on the on the same page and how you become like a true partner, not just a vendor. So I think there is a line and the whole team knows the line. When we go beyond the line, we're having conversations like, is this a client we still want to work with? If we do, what kind of conversations do we need to have? I've called clients up and left voicemails like, hey, we need to talk about today's meeting. Call me back. The last time I did that, I did not get a call back. I'll tell you that mm-hmm. because it was a yelling situation. Yeah. And I don't think that he wanted to take ownership of, you know, of of what happened. How many of those calls do you think you've had to make in the last two, three years? Uh, It's only like one or two a year. Mm -hmm. It's not many, Mm -hmm. really. And usually it's like, I understand because our clients, we we only work with, what, 15, 20 clients at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, and we work with them deeply into their business and on an ongoing basis. So we really get to know each other. I, I probably text with most of our clients on a fairly regular basis. And so I know the things that are going on in their lives. We follow each other on social. And it's like if they had something recently that happened in their lives or they had a death in the family or they have a new baby and they're super tired. There's so many things that can happen, right? It's a conversation of I completely understand the situation you're in. A lot of times I've been in that situation too. And we have expectations for how we speak to each other. And I would appreciate this not happening again. I think you can approach it in a really professional and understanding way that ensures that it's in their minds moving forward. 
Yeah, there's so many good things. I just want to call out a few of the points, kind of do them in reverse order there, Jackie. You mentioned if you are friends with your clients, if you're making steps to build relationships with them in just small little ways, getting on a texting relationship, connecting with them on social and engaging there a bit and encouraging your team in kind of that same mindset, that friendship, Mm -hmm. relationship-based approach with clients, which I think is vital to every agency, can help in this area of having bad fit clients and then having to, to deal with them as well. Yeah. The second thing you talked about, the transparency and the candor, not always kind of training your team to put our best foot forward in in kind of the, the way that we know uh, this isn't necessarily our best foot right now. Let's admit that and let's be a little bit more transparent. And then the third is educating the client and your team on expectations, especially around goal setting. Because like you said, if we checked all the boxes on that QBR and we hit six out of six goals, 120%, maybe we didn't set very aggressive goals, right? Yeah. And and it's a, it's a great feeling to reach your goals, but it's also for every single client, we want to set goals that are a reasonable stretch, right? It's something that we can hit, but we're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to watch the data. We're going to have to tweak the campaigns as we go. And that's kind of how we know that we're doing a good job. And even if we fall short of that goal, we're still making revenue for our clients. And that is what we want to report back to them. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned, and I think we've called out here that it's not always a personality issue where clients can get upset and we can get to a point where we're at least questioning, is is it worth quote unquote firing this client? However, as we mentioned in your story from the top, you've had instances where you've had to part ways with a client. What are some of the things that you think limit other agencies from having those conversations? Because it seems to me like most of the tendency is to kind of, as we talked about the two ends of the spectrum, to be on this end of the spectrum where you're just kind of taking it. Why do you think that happens? And what's your advice to other agencies that you think that's happening too much to their teams and themselves? I think it's a few things. One, conflict avoidance, which as Midwesterners, we really know a lot about that, right? We actually had a speaker come in and talk to us about how to have hard conversations. We did a three-hour workshop on having hard conversations. We split up into separate rooms and had hard conversations with each other and got a script for how to do it. I think that having those hard conversations is actually a relationship builder. And we say internally all the time, When you have the hard conversations, you give the hard feedback and you work through it together, you get to hear their perspective as well. You often come out stronger. My strongest relationships, like our head of HR has been with me for eight years, is a very strong relationship. The feedback we have given each other and now we are like this, you know, but she tells me sometimes, oh, you're the one that gave me this feedback about XYZ. And I'm like, did I say that? Like, Here's the quote me. from Slack. I screenshotted it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, crap. Hopefully I was really nicer than you just said it. But anyway, <laughs> I, I think mastering those hard conversations and I'm, I'm a work in progress too, is really important and something that people often do not do. 
I think number two is that leadership is not involved enough in accounts and are maybe getting a readout on how accounts are going. Maybe it's an email update or something in a department meeting, but they're Mm -hmm. not shadowing meetings periodically. They're not reviewing deliverables. They're not. And I know when you have an agency of a certain size, it's hard to do that, but making sure that you have the right people involved and you're not just letting your team run by themselves and hoping it goes well. It certainly can go well, But sometimes you don't even know, just like that first story that I told you, or one of the first stories I told you, where (laughs) I didn't know that the account manager was even being treated poorly because anytime I showed up, Mm -hmm. it was great. And if I had dug a little bit deeper, I could have found that out earlier and I think I could have retained her. Yeah. And I can speak to this overseeing the customer experience team at an agency for a bit two of the things that helped me was making sure that all of our team with our clients, HubSpot partners like yourself, Jackie and Accelity, you're used to pushing everything for your clients into HubSpot. Well, as an agency, I was making sure that all of our account managers were doing the same thing for our agency. So all their emails with clients were logged in HubSpot. We started using a call recording tool, which helped with kind of things that can get lost in translation and those sorts of things. But it was also really helpful. Most people think about call recording as like sales coaching and those sorts of things. But it gave me insight to I literally had times where members of our team said, hey, we just got off a really rough call. And it was kind of that situation that that you mentioned. And I was able to go in and listen to what was actually being said. So I didn't have to just take either the team members or the client's word for it and then decide kind of who to believe if those didn't line up. Anything else tactically along those lines that that you do and you recommend for leaders, Jackie? Just making sure that you're really involved in accounts and making sure that you're having open conversations. And even beyond that, having a culture of feedback and openness, which is not easy to do. Actually, a team member of mine that left about a year ago is in a much larger business now. And I met up with her for dinner maybe six, eight weeks ago. And she said, there are things that I loved about Excelity and there are things that I really like about this new role. And one thing that's really missing at this company is feedback. No one gives each other feedback. Definitely no one gives any feedback up and there are no opportunities to give feedback to managers, to leadership, whoever it may be. And so if you can create that culture, I think it is extremely important. And it's no small task. It's not like check, done. It's something that took us a really long time to do because we were seeing some of those things happening where feedback wasn't being shared. And we were hearing through a game of telephone that someone was unhappy about something or someone didn't like a new policy or whatever it may be. So I think we've done a really good job of that now. Yeah, it's so critical. And kudos to you and the Accelity team, Jackie, for investing in those sorts of trainings that you were mentioning earlier to have those hard conversations. You mentioned Bob Ruffalo at Impact. He was a guest on this show just a few episodes back, and he kind of relayed that they spend as much time coaching and role-playing and investing in communication skills with their team as they do on the marketing skills and, and the things to deliver for clients because 
it's so important and it can lead to the two paths that we've seen here. A client who's with you for a decade and is hosting your anniversary party for your agency or the one that doesn't even return that call of, hey, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. Well, Jackie, I want to get to our final two segments that we always have here on Agency Life. But one more question for you for those folks who do find themselves in that sort of situation of needing to part ways with a client there. Maybe they have or haven't done some of the things that you guys are doing to prevent that. But they're at that point. They need to have that conversation, not just, hey, we need to talk, but hey, we need to part ways. And they need to manage that communication internally and with the client. They need to manage maybe some of the fallout that could happen from that. Mm -hmm. What are your pieces of advice of if another agency owner is listening to this and saying, hey, I need to call another client tomorrow on Friday. And that's the situation I'm stepping into. Maybe I've never done that before or I've done it poorly in the past. Yeah. Well, how would you advise them? So the first thing that I would do is make sure that you understand your client's communication preferences. This is something that we do internally and externally. So we actually have an internal document where everyone writes down their working hours that they are typically online and can be, there's really no standard working hours. So it's kind of like all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then we can check, hey, when can I expect this person to be here? And how they prefer to be communicated with. Do they want to be talked to on Slack? How they like to receive feedback is a thing that's within that document that's very important. So some people will say, I'd like a written heads up and then a meeting within 24 hours. I would like to be told face-to-face or in person or whatever it may be. We usually don't get into like, how do you want to receive hard feedback with clients? But while we're establishing our SLA at the beginning of the engagement, we always talk about what their communication preferences are. And I think from working with a client for a little while and looking at their communication preferences, you can come up with what you think is the best strategy to deliver this news. So some people want to hear it via email because they're going to be unhappy or they're going to want to process it and then they want to talk in a few days. Some people are going to want to hear it in person. I think that thinking through the method of communication is is just as important as what you're going to communicate because it sets the stage for how they react. And when you're communicating hard feedback or you're communicating a message like, hey, I think you'd be better served finding another marketing resource. That's also a good little line for anyone who didn't quite catch that. Hit the back button and listen to the way that Jackie even rephrased that on the fly. That was good. Yeah. I think you'd be better served by another marketing agency. And that positions it as something that is... This is good for them. But also, if you're not hitting their goals or their expectations, whether they're reasonable or not, then it's better for you and it's better for them. So think through how you're going to deliver it and then make sure you write down what you're going to talk about. So every single time I'm going to have a hard conversation, I write down in my notes app, here is an outline of everything I want to talk about. Here is the feedback I'd like to provide and how I'd like to do it. And then here is the supporting evidence because everyone always says, oh, when did this happen? Or or why is this happening? You know, you want to have a few talking points about why you might be ending the relationship. And also it takes time. Practice makes perfect. Continue having those hard conversations. Don't avoid them because the more you can have them, the more comfortable you will be and the easier they get. 
I love that point about communication preference. It's important to understand that for your internal team, your clients, and then to use that to inform how you go about these hard conversations. And then, of course, as you also mentioned, prepare and practice are also two things that are going to help you if and when you find yourself in that situation. Yep. Awesome. Well, Jackie, I think you've given us some very tactical things to not get into these situations with difficult clients, with all the tips that you mentioned you can go through as an agency before they sign as a client, but also ended there with some tactical things if you do find yourself there. As we round out the conversation, as I alluded to earlier, it's about time for our Fast Five and our opportunity for you to give someone a shout out who's impacted your agency life. So you ready for it? Yeah, ready. All right, let's do it. Our Fast Five, let's start with number one. Jackie, if someone gave you 120K a year, to help better run your agency right now, no strings attached, what would you do with that extra infusion of capital? Mm, That's a great question. I would host more trainings with my team. I would hire more in advance than we do now because capacity planning is always a struggle for agencies. And I think the more room you can give to have people trained appropriately and ready to go on accounts, the better. And I'd probably amp up our marketing a bit. Yeah, all good stuff. Coming back to your own marketing, which is always an area for agencies to work on. But I like what you said there. Capacity planning is something we hear at Teamwork hear all the time Mm -hmm. from our clients. That is a tough thing. So I think that is a smart investment. All right. Number two, what are some of your all time favorite business books, Jackie? Okay, I'm reading Persuasion right now, which is a really Ah, good book. The precursor to that, Influence, was a really good book. How to Win Friends and Influence People is a very classic business book. Mm -hmm. We based our hiring process initially off of a book by Jeff Smart. I think it's called Why. God, I can't remember the name. But we aim to read at least one business book a quarter. I love it. One thing I'll throw out there, Radical Candor by Kim Scott, I think. Oh, my God. I think you and I have talked about that one before. So not to steal your thunder, but I almost brought it up when we were talking about that culture of feedback. And I know you and I have talked about that one before. I'm seriously the worst at remembering the names of the books and the authors. I can quote what's in them, but anyway. Right. Hey, well, that's more important than just (laughs) saying, hey, look at what's on my shelf. So team effort here on number two. All right. On to number three. What's one mistake you've made, Jackie, in running your agency that you'll never forget? Not getting a grip on cash management early enough and not even just cash management, but understanding how financials work and the importance of cash flow projections and having backup finance methods, you know, like having a line of credit, even if you never use it, you still need to have it. I think I was scared of that stuff at the beginning because I'm such a creative. It's incredible. So just making sure that you have backup plans. Yeah, absolutely. It's something we talked about with Jay Owen last week on this show. Agency owners, especially creative agency owners, sometimes we can lean away from those operational things, those finance things. So that's definitely a good call out. All right. Number four, Jackie, what's the hardest part in your opinion about agency life? I think the pace and the pace at which things change. It's definitely not an environment for everyone, but I think the people that like the fast paced work and like change and managing change and communicating change really thrive within agencies. And those who do not like change might want to look elsewhere. 
Absolutely. Well, maybe you've already answered number five as we round it out. What's the best part of agency life in your opinion? I mean, I've been doing it for 10 years, so I must like it a little bit, right? Right. I think the variety of work, the number of different people and companies that I get to meet, I would never know the majority of these people if I hadn't started this agency. And frankly, I wouldn't have half of my friends, which is incredible. And I love digging into client strategy and our own strategy and the vision for the company. It's so much fun. And the business is always evolving. I think if you can learn to love the process of growth versus looking at that end point and you're always aiming for you know some milestone, then you are going to be set up for success. I think that is a key part of agency life is enjoying the journey. Great spot to round out our fast five, Jackie. All right. We want to make sure that relationships are so important. We've been talking about client and internal relationships, especially in those hard points in agency life today. Who's one person, a relationship, whether that's a virtual mentor or someone who's an actual close friend or who's worked with you, for you or beside you that you want to give a shout out to Jackie, who's influenced and impacted your agency life? I'm going to shout out two people. One is that client that is hosting our 10-year party. He taught me so much about handling client relationships, building relationships with people, and watching him grow his companies has been incredible because he's so good at knowing he's not the smartest person in the room. He doesn't know everything. And finding those people that fill in the gaps. And he taught me so much about that. And the other one I want to shout out is Bob Ruffalo, who we've talked about a few times on this podcast. I think that Bob probably doesn't know about the impact that he's had on me and how I run my agency. We meet every every, gosh, every year or two at this point. I mean, it hasn't been a ton since COVID. We used to see each other at Inbound all the time. And every single time he gives me something and I'm like, dang, I didn't think about it like that. Or in 2019, he challenged whether I was thinking big enough with the agency and how I was growing it. And it was just such an incredible message that most people don't have the guts to give to you. You know, there's not a lot of people in your life that give it to you straight and give you real actionable advice. And he's just amazing. So if you haven't listened to his episode, definitely go do it. (laughs) Hey, I did not tell Jackie to plant that plug for Bob's episode. But now that we're here, you finished a great episode with Jackie and I go back and check that one out from Bob. As we mentioned, we talk about role playing and he goes through some of the things Jackie alluded to in their unique business model. I love that Jackie, you actually used the word impact when you described Bob's relationship and influence on your agency life, which is the name of of their company impact. So you know, I good. didn't even think of that word play, but I'm gonna <laughs> pat myself on the back. Just after natural. This. Yes, you can. Absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of patting yourself on the back and, and just connecting with you, Jackie, if someone is not already connected with you, LinkedIn or elsewhere, they want to see you and connect with you as a peer in their agency life journey, where would you point them to? So my LinkedIn is probably where I spend the most time. And then two websites. One is Excelity's website, ExcelityMarketing.com. And then the other is my personal website, JackieHermes.com, where I post a little bit more about my agency as a founder and I post my podcast there. So definitely check it out. The Art of Entrepreneurship. So we talk about a lot of the stuff that we discussed today and a lot of things that I've learned while growing a company. So all of the different operations, finance, marketing, sales, the different functions within a business and how to how to grow them and all the mistakes I've made. 
Which is plenty. Yes, that's where the best lessons are. <laughs> so thank you for unpacking some of those, the hard conversations, the mistakes, and the things that you wish you could get back, but influence some of the things that are now working now. I love some of the tactical tips that you shared there. So if you're so inclined, go check out Jackie's podcast. Give that a follow as well. Jackie, it is always fantastic talking with you about agency leadership and agency life. Thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. You've been listening to Agency Life. And if you made it this far, you're probably enjoying the show. If so, you can help other agency leaders find the show in about 14 more seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can simply scroll down till you see ratings and reviews and tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. We'll really appreciate it. And so will the other agency leaders who find the show based on your rating. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com slash Agency Life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the Agency Life newsletter, and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is Agency Life.